This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is what it's like to be a highly sensitive person, and more specifically, what it's like to be a highly sensitive parent. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while know that I am one of those. Our guest today, Amy Laginus, is going to be talking about what it's like to be a highly sensitive person and parent. Also, what ways sensory overload and multiple competing expectations cause parents' stress? And if you know what I'm talking about already, you know what we mean. Not only that, but she's going to share with us some ways to reduce sensory overload and overstimulation, as well as how to create some realistic expectations for yourself as a parent. There are many gifts that come with being a highly sensitive person and highly sensitive parent, And Amy's going to talk a little bit about how to leverage that in order to support yourself in your relationship with your children. Amy is a psychotherapist and parenting coach with nearly a decade of experience working in the field of mental health and wellness. She is passionate about teaching highly sensitive, empathic, and overwhelmed moms how to harness their strengths and manage challenges in order to thrive in parenthood. Amy provides therapy for women and parents in California and offers resources, courses, and video coaching for highly sensitive parents around the world at highlysensitiveparenthood.com. And at the end of our episode today, I'm going to share with you that Amy is offering Mom and Mind listeners a nice discount on some of her resources. So for now, let's meet Amy. Welcome, Amy. I'm super excited to have you on. Talking about HSP and parenting is one of my favorites. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share and chat about this really important topic. Absolutely. It is It is so important. The more people I talk to in therapy, specifically with perinatal mental health, the more clear it is how many 
HSP folks to come up, come to therapy because of all of the things you're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> all of Absolutely. the things. Yeah. And I think for some of us, myself included, our HSP trait, it's there all along. And after becoming pregnant or birthing or adopting or just becoming a parent in general, we realize that it kind of comes to the forefront a little bit more or certain aspects of being sensitive show up more in the day to day. And it just becomes, I would say, more important to address and also just really take care of ourselves at that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you alluded to us, meaning you also. So yeah, it'd be great to to know how you got to understand HSP and parenting. Yeah. So I think I, I knew I was an HSP. I didn't necessarily have the language for it as a kid or a teenager, but I'd say starting in kind of my mid-20s, I came across the term and found it to be really helpful, Dr. Elaine Aaron's work on that trait to be really informative mm-hmm. about who I was and the way that I experienced the world. And when I became a parent, it became more clear that my sensitivity, the way that I experienced the world, I think had kind of magnified after I had a child. And I I think it had a little bit to do with sort of the ways that the nervous system and, and our bodies shift when we become parents. But yeah, in retrospect, looking back on that time, I, I, didn't necessarily understand fully in the moment what was mm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially after having my second child, just the, the the overstimulation of having kids and for me having two kids at that point led to some pretty intense experiences physically. I had a, a panic attack that was so incapacitating that I mm. literally couldn't stand up or hold my baby for a few minutes which was really, really scary at that time. And yeah. I was a, I was a trained mental health professional. Mm-hmm. I was, I think, fully licensed at that time. And I, even at that time, didn't really have an understanding of this fitting into perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and how overstimulation from having children touching you and crying and having needs and Mm. and not having adequate downtime was really impacting my my mental and physical health. So it's become a passion of mine since then to support other highly sensitive parents who may not fit into a neat box of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but who Mm -hmm. find parenting hard for, for a variety of reasons because of their sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. As you experienced, and I did too, you just don't know until about how, like, oh, like, wow, I'm, I am really sensitive because this kid crying is feels like I'm going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that non-HSP folks don't experience that to some yeah. extent, but it's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It's different. Right. I think for HSPs, I always think of it as like the volumes just turned up. And so sure. the, the moment I have just have a mental snapshot of this moment where I was, I think, breastfeeding the baby and my older child was crawling on my back and saying, mommy, 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 mommy. Yep. And I, yeah, I just can't even express how <laughs> how that moment felt in my body, but it was unlike mm-hmm. anything I'd felt before. Mm-hmm. And and looking back, I I think okay, that is that my nervous system, my my sensitivity was just being completely overloaded in that mm-hmm. moment, and mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of self compassion. Thankfully, looking back and to see it through that lens rather than oh, I'm I was a inadequate mother or I'm underprepared right. for this right. or I can't do it. But it's so hard to feel that way in the moment if we don't know what's happening Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then, yeah, if you would like to start off with some kind of maybe fundamentals and understanding HSP and what it means to be an HSP parent. Sure. Yeah. So there is a technical sort of acronym that I'll get to in a moment, but I think as a therapist, what I see most often coming across my Zoom screen or in person (laughs) is a few different things that I hear highly sensitive parents say, one of which is that they feel like their children are too much at times or they can't handle it, Mm -hmm. but they feel guilty for taking time away. They feel like a bad mom or a bad Mm -hmm. parent for Mm -hmm. needing or craving downtime or for not wanting to get down and play in a very physical way with their children. So there's some guilt, unfortunately, that I I hear a lot. Right. There's a often a hard time kind of keeping up with the demands of parenthood. And a Mm -hmm. lot of these are external demands, like societal pressures to (laughs) attend a bunch of baby classes or do a bunch of outings with your baby. And those, it's not that those don't always work for HSP parents, but usually we don't, doing a bunch of those, it does not feel good for us. It's too much. Yeah. And then I, I also hear, and this is one that people feel a lot of shame about, is rage or irritability or a desire to escape. The sort of like escapist fantasy, if I could just take a vacation by myself or sleep in a hotel room for one night, Mm -hmm. or I just don't want to be with my baby right now, 
or I'm finding myself losing my temper and yelling at my kid. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of shame that comes up when people experience those. And yet, if we can shift the focus to recognize that those are often, those emotional experiences are often a product of simple overstimulation, Mm -hmm. then we have a path forward to to heal, to make some changes that are going to lead to parenting feeling less overwhelming and more sustainable. And then lastly, people just losing touch with who they are, kind of being subsumed in this parent role. Again, not exclusive to HSP parents, but because we tend to be so diligent and we tend to be Mm -hmm. really connected with other people, the sort of parenting hat or the motherhood hat can feel really all-consuming. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, that's really important to to kind of be able to recognize it in yourself. Your examples are are helpful because otherwise you don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might be not sure what what is anxiety, what is being feeling highly sensitive or being highly sensitive and what is quote quote unquote normal uh, Mm -hmm. or common and, and what's not. You just can't recognize it until you have those examples. Yeah. Yeah. So there is this acronym that is helpful in kind of explaining HSP more scientifically. I feel like it's helpful to lead with kind of those more concrete examples of what Mm -hmm. a lot of HSP parents experience. But the DOES acronym, this is, again, Dr. Aaron's work here, stands for depth of processing is the D. So being really aware of values and decision-making around parenting, is typically how that shows up really reflective and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the big one is being overstimulated easily. So nervous system can get over, over aroused and just feel very, in, these moments with your children can feel very intense. So usually it's sensory inputs, clutter, mm. crying, mm-hmm. <laughs> stinky diaper pails, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even stuff like cuddling or feeding your child, which can feel really good and nourishing, but in a, the next moment, all of a sudden, it can feel too much. And there's just <laughs> a need right. for, for, for space and for, for alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a lot of the guilt can come in. Yeah. And, and I, I like how, that you said that, like, in the next moment, because it can feel like that for sure. Like, you're okay, you're okay, okay, and then you're not. <laughs> totally. And you're just like, ah. Yeah. And it can feel intense right away. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that in. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I think sometimes we don't even notice, a lot of us can be out of touch with our body. So we might not even notice those, those sort of more minute sensations mm. in the moment of feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And if, if, or, or we don't attend to them, we notice them and we ignore <laughs> because we have pressing needs. We're trying to take care right. of our, our kids. Right. And so that can show up if it's not attended to with stomach aches or headaches or panic Mm -hmm. attacks, Mm -hmm. muscle tension, all sorts of things. So HSP parents tend to be a bit more prone to those sort of physical manifestations Mm -hmm. of of overstimulation as well. So that's something to look out for if you're noticing a lot of that in yourself. It may be rooted in overstimulation. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And then E is about empathy. This is a real gift. I mean, a lot of these are, are gifts. There's the double-edged right. sword, right? They're, <laughs> yeah. They can be gifts and they can they can also create challenges for us. So empathy is a real gift that we can offer to our children, but also if we're so emotionally connected with them and they're crying and we start to become really upset and dysregulated ourselves, it makes it more difficult to 
move through our day. It makes it more mm. dis- difficult to resolve whatever is going on. So that, but it can also create a really powerful bond with our children. And that's one of the sort of HSP parent superpowers that we're, mm-hmm. we tend to be really connected and we tend to know what our kids need intuitively. And lastly, we have sensitivity to subtle stimuli. So that's the last of the the DOES acronym. Mm-hmm. Again, sort of has to do with attunement to our environment, being really protective of our children. It can be a lot if it's kind of paired with anxiety. It can lead to definitely some postpartum anxiety experiences, mm-hmm. but also some immense pleasure from those like cuddles and smelling our our baby and how cute they are and how squishy. And so this mm-hmm. sensitivity to subtle stimuli can, can be a real gift and a real pleasure as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for breaking that down. Those are some really key factors that, again, I think like most parents don't, highly sensitive people don't know about. I mean, we're not really taught about it. We can find out the hard way. So, right. That is, is super duper important. And as you said, like the, a, a lot of what shows up in the overwhelm is, is that the overstimulation mm-hmm. and that's tough because that, mm-hmm. you can't, it's not like you can't always turn that off <laughs> or right. step away. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's like literally, especially with the really little ones, it's like a safety issue. Like we can't just leave. Right. Or at least not easily, right? We have to like <laughs> arrange care or whatever. Right. But there's also I've noticed for a lot of for a lot of HSP parents, the logistical block is there, but it's also a real mental block a lot of the times mm. because of this narrative of, well, I see other parents doing this. Like that mom over there like loves to take her kids out on multiple outings per week. Like, why can't I do that? Why mm-hmm. I must be falling short somewhere? And so there's this guilt piece of thinking that taking breaks or thinking that being overwhelmed by your child is a, is bad or morally wrong. And I see people get caught up with that all the time. And in fact, looking at it through the lens of just physical overstimulation and your nervous system kind of getting a little too keyed up, mm. I think can be really freeing for people because it's not about that you're not cut out for it or that you don't love your child or that you're a bad parent. It's about your body simply needing a break, your body being extra attuned, which is a beautiful gift at times, but also means that you need to really take the time to give it breaks to really nourish it. And so I think recognizing that can, can give highly sensitive parents the permission they need to push past or to, to release the guilt that they might initially feel when they're overstimulated and to instead listen to themselves, listen to their bodies and take care of themselves. Yeah, it's so necessary and really one of the hardest things to do to give permission to ourselves. I don't, the guilt is so incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those, those things that's the, it seems like the hardest guilt and shame mm-hmm. uh, seem like the hardest to move through and to not let go of, but allow yourself to, to drop it for now. Yes. It, and I think what you're saying too is, especially with highly sensitive parents, mm-hmm. certainly other people have guilt and shame, but it's, it's such a big, what did you say? Wall or block or. Yeah. Barrier or block. A barrier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to move past that because the like sense of responsibility wins most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, and you may have experienced this in your work as well, but a lot of the time 
when I see this is a little bit unfortunate, but when I see highly sensitive parents finally making that change or that shift, those shifts to take care of themselves, it's when they hit a massive wall of, mm-hmm. for me, it was a panic attack. It could mm-hmm. look different for somebody else, but it's it, it can be sort of this big wake up call or this experience of, like I said, wanting to leave. Like, I just can't handle this anymore. And yeah, I, yeah. I, like, I don't know how I'm going to wake up tomorrow and do this again. Mm-hmm. And so they often it takes these somewhat sometimes scary thoughts or, or just big feelings or sensations to wake us up to the reality that this is not working the way that I'm mm-hmm. doing it to pour myself out completely and to not attend to my needs is not functional for me. And it's not functional for my child. And that's mm-hmm. usually where the mm-hmm. HSP parent can start to make changes. I hope it's, I hope it, this is helpful in supporting people to make changes before they get to that point. But I often yes. see it yes. where they, where they're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm so depleted or I'm, I'm so, I'm losing day-to-day functioning and that's impacting my child. I guess I need to make a change. And then it gives them permission to take breaks, to ask mm-hmm. for help, to mm-hmm. shift things about their environment that help reduce overwhelm and overstimulation. It's, in service of their of their child. And so if you can't give yourself permission yet for for your own love of yourself, then consider maybe how it's impacting and this is a tough one to look at too, but how it's impacting yeah. your your parenting or your how you you are with your child. I know for me, often it would show up as irritability or just frustration and that didn't feel good either. And so recognizing right. Okay, if I, but if I take the time, if I can take 15 minutes to go lay down in a dark room away from my kids, I'm a better parent after that. And I like that. I want that to be the case. And it also is good for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it is hard to see that taking care of your yourself in that way is also taking care of your relationship and taking care of your kids. It's it's a super hard a barrier to to break through because we're we're conditioned to not right to just push through and keep going and all all these really ridiculous things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so uh, ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if we can go back to some of the things you were talking about, specifically about sensory overload and stress, and what I really with is having so many expectations on you at the same time and and how that impacts stress. Yeah. If we go into that a bit, would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've talked a little bit about the nervous system and, you know, that would be a whole other episode, honestly, (laughs) (laughs) just nervous system or parents and nervous system, but really basically your nervous system is responsible for keeping you safe. It's responsible for kind of scanning your environment and saying, am I okay? Am I, is there a danger? Is there a threat coming? Mm -hmm. And HSPs, this is a a gift that this is why HSPs exist is that our trait has been conserved, evolutionarily conserved because we do a service to society by, by sort of scanning our environment, physical and emotional and otherwise to say, how is everything doing out here? Um, Mm. Do we need to be worried about this physical threat? Do we need to be worried about sort of how these relationships are going? And then we are, we are kind of, I think of us as like the prairie dogs of humanity (laughs) up here looking around saying, Uh it's a real (laughs) gift, but you can see how for parents, when we're constantly scanning for danger, for threat, 
Ooh, like that is a recipe for, for anxiety and mm. an overstimulation. Mm. So not only are HSP brains sort of primed to, to notice a lot more and to connect the dots, but we, we feel things more deeply too. So when we're taking in these multiple stimuli, for example, the, the example I shared earlier when I had that really intense panic attack when the baby was crying, I think he was also nursing. He was like trying to latch. So there was like physical and auditory inputs. Mm-hmm. The toddler was climbing on my back. So there was like pressure at the back of my neck and, oh, it just felt so bad. And and sort of an emotional demand in that situation too. My, my toddler yeah. was kind of requesting some like emotional attention. So you can see how a nervous system that's kind of primed to scan for scan for danger and to be taking in all these inputs at once. And suddenly I have all of these physical inputs. And we can experience the same thing. We're cooking dinner and the TV's on and the the laundry machine is going <laughs> in the background, right? Like these are all physical inputs. And then of course, HSP parents have societal inputs too, right? Like Instagram, you -hmm. should be doing this. Like if you're Mm -hmm. a good parent, this is how you should look or behave. Parenting experts. So these are not bad things inherently. It's just, there's so much coming at us. Dr. Google, like medical Mm -hmm. advice coming from all and and parenting advice coming from all corners. So these are also overstimulating for, for the HSP parent when we have so many opinions and expectations coming at us. And we don't want to let people down. A lot of us HSPs are people pleasers. We don't like it when we make other people uncomfortable or when we create extra work for other people, or that's what it feels like for us. So we try to juggle it all ourselves and that causes immense stress. So I'm, I'm guessing even just listening to the list of <laughs> factors <laughs> that, I, that I just went through is maybe causing your blood pressure to rise a little bit. So maybe t- take a deep breath here. And But if you resonate resonating with it. Yeah. These multiple competing demands, they're real. Like you said, Dr. Kat, they're not easy to let go of. That's (laughs) to release the guilt or to release the should, I should be doing this. Right. Because it's almost like the the list you were giving isn't things that could be impacting us or that we're taking in. It's not like we can see like, oh, that's a thing. I don't have to do that right now. I can set it aside. It's like, you get the tidal wave of everything and somehow you're supposed to hold all of it and do all of it all at the same time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's too, and it's too much. There's Mm -hmm. like you experienced a panic attack. I would have experienced like when my kids were, were really little, just like a full crying breakdown, Mm -hmm. like needing Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. not necessarily feeling panic, but just like, almost like a depressed feeling, like there's no way I can do all of this. Oh, yeah. Um, Disconnect. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or like mm-hmm. anger, irritability, mm-hmm. frustration. Oh, yeah. They're all responses to basically the same thing, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I, and it's hard to, I mean, it's a skill. And I think that you're going to talk about some of that later, but to be able to learn to set some of that down. And like you said before, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like this this guilt is really present. But man, once you can figure out how to set that stuff down, it is like that freedom you described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and honestly, a lot of the work that I've done with people in therapy is really like learning, teaching people to give themselves permission to set mm-hmm. set those expectations down and mm-hmm. to sort through them and say, is this an expectation that I want to have for myself? Or mm-hmm. is this 
my parents' expectation or is this society's expectation or is this my partner's expectation mm-hmm. that I need to set a little bit of a boundary on? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of that, but it, it, it is hard again, because it's sort of the our people-pleasing tendencies, and not all HSPs have that, but a lot of us do, mm-hmm. that can really prevent us from, or make it make it extra challenging for us to sort through and say, I'm going to give myself permission to release that expectation or to release this pressure that I'm putting on myself as a parent. Mm-hmm. So it really takes some some introspection, mm-hmm. some, some honesty with yourself about what it is that you're taking on and what it is that's actually important to you. And are there things that you can set aside, not because they're not important necessarily, but because okay. we can't be juggling 50 balls at once. <laughs> Right. No, not at all. What? So how do you do that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's a big question. Um, Uh, Right. Yeah. But there's a couple of a few thoughts that are are tips that I can offer here. Again, I mean, therapy tends to be really helpful for a lot of highly sensitive parents, myself included when I was in that stage and now I'm offering it to people Mm -hmm. in in that stage. And it's just, it's, to be seen, to be recognized for what it is you're doing is perhaps the most critical part of all of this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But beyond the things that people can can take from this episode and kind of try out, one is micro breaks. So I, I know Elaine Aaron's research talks about how HSPs ideally need about two hours of alone time today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I hear that as a, as a parent, I, my kids are five and eight now. So I, they're in school and I, I often do get that time. But man, when they were babies, I did not. And that was laughable to me. Mm -hmm. Two hours. I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. lucky if I get 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is 20 minutes for you. And that's better than nothing. So those micro breaks can look like a lot of different things, but it literally can look like going into the bathroom and shutting the door. Mm-hmm. When your kids are, if you're at home with your kids and that's all you can take, it can look like having a partner or a friend watch your kids for, and if it's your partner, of course, it's not watching your kids. It's you're sharing the load and that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. But really sort of asking for that help or saying, mm-hmm. hey, I, this is what I need right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go lay down for 20 minutes. Or if you're checking in with yourself and you think, gosh, I really need, I'm feeling stir crazy. I need to get out of the house for a run or for a yoga class or to meet up with a friend. So really just checking in with yourself and noticing what it is you need. And if you can't get out for an hour or get two hours of alone time, then give yourself the gift of five minutes in the bathroom by yourself or mm-hmm. 10 minutes laying down after your partner can can mm-hmm. take the kids if you're the one who's watching them for the day. So so those micro breaks can be really, really helpful for HSPs. And it's kind of a similar concept of giving yourself a, a buffer zone. So if you're mm-hmm. like me, a working outside the home parent, it can be really hard to transition from one task or kind of one role to another. So giving yep. yourself that 10, 15 minutes whenever you can to just be you, to not be a teacher or a therapist or whatever else you are, and to just be you and to not mm-hmm. be a parent yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's so important. It absolutely is. And one of the, I think for me, working with people, the most difficult thing is that because they're holding so much when there is a break, when they don't have to do direct childcare, they 
mm-hmm. will fill it with other things. So like the break time ends up being dishes and laundry and all the other things that they need two hands to do or, or whatever, like filling it with other tasks. And if they don't, if it, the feeling is like, if they don't do it, then when is it, when is it going to get done? And yes, that's a, a question that might need some answering, but man, is it hard to break that, that cycle. I totally hear you. And to be honest with you, one of my pet peeves is when people, people like me are just saying, oh, just take more time to yourself. And it's like, well, I, when, like I I have (laughs) real, like the dishes are a real thing that actually needs to get done. They don't just go away because I wish them away. So yeah, I hear you on that. And I think again, it's about finding that balance. I know Mm -hmm. for me, I also like to kind of just keep on top of things. I like to keep Mm -hmm. my house relatively (laughs) uncluttered because it Mm -hmm. makes me crazy. Like it just makes me so overstimulated. Exactly. To your, to your point that, that is the thing. Like I've, I've, there's the, like, how do you figure out? (laughs) Yes, I need a break, but the clutter also makes me feel like Mm -hmm. overstimulated. So what do I do? It's okay. so, it's so, I'm not saying like <laughs> you specifically are need to answer this right now, but it is, I mean, I wouldn't say I've had to argue with clients about this, but, mm, <laughs> but it you. is like, it is a real thing to, to have to figure out like which overstimulation are you going to manage? Totally. Uh, oh my gosh. No, this is funny. I, I, I hear the same thing from my clients and mm-hmm. I've wrestled with the same thing personally too. And I, yep. you know, one thing that I have found personally very helpful is setting timers. And mm-hmm. well, two things. One is creating a, like kind of a cozy corner, whether that is your bedroom. For a lot of people, it's going to be your bedroom because hopefully your kids' toys are not like all over the floor. And, there, <laughs> right, and right, right. you can kind of have, exert a little more control over the clutter mm-hmm. level and, and how peaceful it feels. So kind of having this space that even if the rest of the house feels like a disaster zone to you that you can kind of withdraw and not be again scanning your environment and thinking clutter 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 right like that's overstimulating Mm -hmm. so so having a place that you're fairly diligent about maintaining as your your quiet zone is Mm -hmm. super important and then Mm -hmm. like I said for me setting timers has been helpful in those moments where I feel like I'm pulled in a bunch of different directions like I should be preparing dinner I also should be responding to that email and I should be doing this (laughs) But I can usually feel in my body that I'm reaching a certain threshold where I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to do super well at this, or I'm going to be yeah. really grumpy later if I don't take this, take a break right now. Mm-hmm. And so again, setting, I literally will set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you can fit in. And that actually really does a good job of like freeing up space for me to fully relax into whatever it is that I'm doing. And often it's like laying on the couch and reading or watching a show or Mm -hmm. going on a walk Mm -hmm. outside. But but it gives me permission to do that fully for that 20 minutes. And they say, and that. then after that, I will move on to this other very important real task. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, love, love that idea. Because then you can do both mm-hmm. if you're not interrupted. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other part. But right. Yeah. I mean, you can you can honor all of all things mm-hmm. by, by having that, that boundary with your time. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. super good. Mm. Good, good. Yeah. And then I guess the last little tip I'll offer here is just about sensory input. And this might seem obvious, but I I also see guilt and shame coming in here, which is that our children create a lot of 
sensory input. They create noise. They create stinky items of clothing. <laughs> they they touch us. They mm-hmm. make sticky messes, right? So these are, and these are inherently overstimulating. This yeah. has nothing to do with how much we love our children or how good of a parent we are. It mm-hmm. just is those, those inputs are a lot for our body to handle. So giving yourself permission to reduce it where you can. The, the most obvious thing here is wearing some noise canceling or noise reducing headphones. And and sometimes parents feel bad about this. Like, well, what, will I not hear my kid? Or like, is will that hurt their feelings? And they make really like small, unobtrusive ones. I know like Loop does a good job with that, mm-hmm. for example. But I will say, do you really need to hear your crying child or your, your tantruming toddler at 100% volume? Like you probably could do a much better, at least I know I could do a much better job responding if I was hearing them at like a 30% volume. I still know what's going on, but my body is not getting super activated and overwhelmed by the noise itself. Mm-hmm. And and if I can reduce that overwhelm, I can actually be a lot more productive and constructive in the way that I respond to that situation. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're <clears throat> reminding me there, there was like a certain pitch that would of of crying or of like you know, even happy noises it doesn't have to totally. be cry- yeah. crying <laughs> man little kids have quite a range of <laughs> of sound and volume but right that would just it, that was it for me i would absolutely feel like my head was going to explode yeah. but if if at that time i had noise canceling headphones or things that I knew could help reduce that volume, it would have helped tremendously. Yeah. That's right. You can still attend to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're, when you're, I don't know if you find this, but if I'm starting to get overstimulated, let's say the TV's on. Mm-hmm. If I'm starting to get overstimulated, it almost sounds like the TV has been, the volume has been turned up a lot, mm. even though it's still the same, like nothing has changed. Yeah. But somehow or another, the sensitivity just makes it sound louder. And totally. it, that's like how it can feel in your environment. Nothing, it, it could be that nothing has changed, mm-hmm. but your needs have changed. So true. Right. Yeah. If you're, if your nervous system has kind of been activated, mm-hmm. it is, you're going to feel that or sense that input more strongly. And so I think a tip sort of similar to that is just checking in with yourself and noticing what is bothering me right now? Mm-hmm. Like if you feel mm-hmm. yourself starting to feel irritable or, or grumpy, asking yourself, what do I need? But also what, mm-hmm. is there something that's that's causing me to feel this way that is maybe, and usually it's a bunch of different things, but maybe there's something really simple. Like I know for me, (laughs) I had an old dishwasher for a while that just made the worst noise. It was so (laughs) loud and grating and it really bothered me. And it it made a noticeable difference in my mood when I was Mm -hmm, hearing mm -hmm. it. And so eventually it kind of broke and I jumped on the opportunity to get a new, (laughs) very quiet dishwasher. Uh, Right, right. But there might be things like that, that, that kitchen fan or like a, like a really bright, like cold light in your house that is causing or is contributing to your overstimulation Mm -hmm. or particular toy that your kid doesn't even play with anymore, but somehow ends up all over the floor every day. Right. So just (laughs) noticing those, those Mm -hmm. inputs and realizing, oh, maybe I could let go of that, or maybe I can reduce the intensity of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and outside the house too, right? Like limiting your time at really chaotic environments. Maybe for me, I, I go to the grocery store at like 
8 a.m. if I can help it instead Mm of 4 p.m. on a Friday, because (laughs) I know I'm going to be a lot happier doing that. So just noticing what bothers you and, and seeing if there's little tweaks that you can make in your environment they'll add up. It's not going to solve everything right away, but they do add up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's perfect. Right. Cause it, the, if it, the little tweaks are way more doable than escaping and mm-hmm. to the beach for a week. or <laughs> Right. I mean, don't write that off right away. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in, in lieu of getting that where we need it, we can make these, these little shifts and, and, and look for and give ourselves permission to, to take those longer breaks too, whether mm-hmm. it's getting a date night or having someone watch your kids so you can have a, a spa day or a day off outside of the house. Those are also really, really important for highly sensitive parents to do. They just can feel a little bit more, they are more difficult to make happen. So, yeah, it, it is one of the things that I've heard that a lot of parents with little ones want is for, for them to be able to stay home and everybody else to leave. <laughs> mm-hmm, <yeah. laughs> and that is the one of the harder ones. It's much easier to just take you and, and go, but yeah, sometimes you just want to be in your house by yourself. Like yes. With, with nothing. Mm. But man, that's, that's a hard one to get. It is. It is. Yeah. So right. Then having 10 minutes in your bedroom mm-hmm. is maybe what you can do today. Right. Yeah. And and as you get more sort of evolved down this 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 process, this road of attending to your own needs, maybe you get a little more comfortable with saying like to a, to your parent or to a f- good friend, hey, do you mind, would you like to take my kid to the park <laughs> for a couple hours? Like that would be amazing or right. to a partner. So not underestimating the importance of having someone else watch your child for a bit. This is something I could really get on my soapbox about, but parents, we were not meant to parent 24-7. And often that's seen, it's kind of like implicit more than explicit, but it's kind of seen as the gold standard of being like a quote, good mom is to like want to be with your kid 24-7. And then like, if you need a break, that that's Mm -hmm. like, you've done something wrong or that you're not living up to what you should. So Mm -hmm. really kind of dismantling that false narrative around parents, good parents wanting to, or being able to be with their kids 24 seven. That's not, that's not how we evolved in terms of humanity. We always had, we were in villages for the most part or small communities where we had help. It wasn't even considered help. It's just, this is, everyone was pitching in and and spending time with our children. And so Many of us in the Western modern world, we see motherhood or parenthood as a kind of a full-time endeavor. And mm-hmm. in some ways it always will be, but really kind of giving yourself permission to to see breaks not as as sort of a weakness or something that, oh, I guess I need that, but as part of what parenting has always been and should still be. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like this is a marathon, not to put it in terms of, I was trying to say marathon versus sprint, but not to make it sound bad. I mean, I'm sure some people love <laughs> to run marathons. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that, but right. This is a, this is a, a long-term kind of thing. So how, how do you yeah. manage in a way that makes it sustainable so that yeah. you're not you know, like you know, like me having the, the meltdowns and crying or you know, having panic attack panic attacks mm-hmm. <sighs> but it it does require other people and i think that's hard for hsps 
It is uh, hard. And COVID totally put a wrench mm-hmm. in that for many, many yes. HSP parents right. in sometimes a very traumatic way of mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. having that support that, that we need. We absolutely need. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in the beginning of our chat, you talked about empathy being a gift and some of the ways in which it, being an HSP has, has gifts. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I'd love to. That's something that a lot of us HSP parents miss, at least initially, because we just see the hardships or the challenges of our sensitivity. And that's a real shame because HSPs have so much to offer to ourselves, to our loved ones, and to our children. So yes, our, our the main gifts really are empathy and attunement. So really, just to define empathy briefly is to be able to feel with other people, to be able to understand or kind of get it intuitively know what they're feeling. In fact, HSPs have more active mirror neurons than than the general population, meaning that our brain cells that are responsible for reading and kind of reflecting back other people's emotions are sort of the volumes turned up for HSPs. So we have this real tangible gift to 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 notice what other people are think are feeling and thinking and to and to experience that sometimes in our own bodies which as i said can be it can be too much sometimes but where it shows up as a strength for us as parents is that we really feel a deep connection with our children often doesn't always happen right away so i don't want to put that out there that like there's this instant first connection with our child the first time we see them sometimes mm-hmm. it takes some time mm-hmm. and that's that's totally normal but often we have a sense, we know them really deeply as a person. We have a sense if something's not quite right with them, whether emotionally or they are uncomfortable, we'll kind of pick up on that and be able to hone in on it more easily. So an example that I've seen come up is a, a baby crying and the parent being like, that cry doesn't sound quite right for like a like a normal hungry or tired cry and they pick up on oh this like tag is itching them or they realize like they I think they have an ear infection so they mm-hmm. they just were able to kind of pick up often a little more quickly and a little more easily on things that might not be going quite right with our child or even just positive emotions right we're picking up on that we're able to mirror that back to them and really yeah. sort of create an amplified emotional exchange with our children so that's that's lovely. The other couple things that I think are talked about a little bit less are we're able to create a calm and peaceful home environment a lot of the time. We're not perfect at this, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were both sharing earlier about how clutter is a real challenge for mm-hmm, us. And mm-hmm. so often HSPs are really thoughtful about what we want our home to feel like or what we want our child's environment to feel like. And we're diligent about whether emotionally or physically creating the type of childhood that is just going to really nourish and empower our children. Again, not that non-HSPs don't do this, but it's just a, it's something that is that comes a bit more naturally to many HSPs because um, mm-hmm. we're, we're tuned and we're reflective about how we want to parent and how we want our children to feel in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And then... I I think if I can for a second, I am thinking of... When you were describing it, it made me think of some examples of when that attunement, like let's say one parent is an HSP and the other is not, mm-hmm. how the it, the one parent's attunement with the child, let's say like, oh, I think it's an ear infection. Mm-hmm. Another, the other parent might, may or may not like discount it like, oh no, they're fine. Or, mm-hmm. or even because you might be a more highly attuned parent, you pick up on things that are wrong, like going wrong and right. And again, not that the other parent is not, but it is sometimes easy for the, let's say, non-HSP parent to view the HSP parent as being too anxious. Mm. You're always worried about things. That like that kind of, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a misconception of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they are anxious about stuff. I'm not going to say that we're not. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about myself. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it's, it's, it's sometimes can be hard to be that attuned because mm. other people that might not perceive things as with set was with as much, sorry, with as much, I guess, intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned that I was just having a conversation with a client about this and I won't share what they said, but it reminded me of an experience that I had when mm-hmm. I, when my baby was, I don't know, maybe one, one and a half where I dropped, I like lost an earring at a friend's house and I found the, like the back of it, but the stud with a pointy piece mm-hmm. I couldn't find. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. my son was at the age where he was picking stuff up and <laughs> putting it in his mouth. Yeah. And I was, of course, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this is like, oh no, my gosh, was, I was so anxious about it. And my husband was like, he's probably, my husband's not an HSP, by the way. <laughs> he was like, I, don't, I doubt he found it. Like maybe the dog ate it. I don't know. I'm sure it's okay. And I was like, no, no, we are taking him to the ER right now. We're getting him x-rayed. <laughs> I'm not risking this. And it ended up, we ended up literally as we were peeling out, our friends ran out and we said, we found the other half of the earring. So everything was fine. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's just these we we tend to be more cautious and we tend yeah. to do tend towards anxiety. And and I think you put a, a good point out there that 
sometimes that anxiety is adaptive and it, it's very protective for our child. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, I'm just reading Elaine Aaron's book on the highly sensitive child right mm-hmm. now. And she's talking about how there's some evidence that HSP parents of HSP, or sorry, children of HSP parents are less like less accident prone mm-hmm. and HSP children are less accident prone actually as well, because they're just more diligent and they're more yeah, yeah. aware of the risks and dangers. So it's, Yes, on the one hand, it's it's protective, but ooh, like the the flip side of that is that a lot of us can spend a lot of time worrying. I see lots of HSP parents go down like the Doctor Google rabbit hole, for mm-hmm. example, and mm-hmm. just get really stuck and ruminating on all the things that could go wrong or mm-hmm. all the what ifs, and that's so hard. And it it can be a real detriment to our mental health but how do we it's it's really difficult to know where to draw that line of Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. if this anxiety or this awareness this turned up awareness is protective for our child where do we say but it's harmful for me I'm Mm -hmm. I'm suffering Mm -hmm. because I'm aware of all the things all the risks and scanning Mm -hmm. constantly Mm -hmm. so it's it can be really tough to to draw that boundary yeah yeah absolutely I mean I I do think it's it's hard when the, like the attunement, well, not attunement, but like that uh, level of awareness intersects with anxiety because it's really sometimes hard to tell the difference, especially if your attunement and your intuition is, is right sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and like, how do you know if this is anxiety <laughs> or if it's just me being aware? Uh, and sometimes you, you don't know. You don't. It's, it's hard. So like, yeah. Anyways, I know we, we were meaning to talk about the, the gifts and it is clearly a gift. So I, I took us down a little bit of a, a road. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um, and I didn't really answer your question either about the, like the parent, the other partner, if they are non-HSP. And yes, I, I don't know that I have much more to add on that. Yeah. That can be, it can be a strain on relationships mm-hmm. too. If your sensitivity is misunderstood or if, if you are an HSP and your spouse isn't and your good or your partner isn't and you're frustrated with them for being yeah. less attuned. Like yes, yes, yes. Smell the baby's diaper. Like and they're like, <laughs> no, I didn't what? What are you uh-huh. talking about? Uh-huh. And they're like, oh God, like why am I always the one to do this? Right. So there's there's yeah. all sorts of like partner dynamics that can mm-hmm. come up. Again, know. also for another episode. Another episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are many things that we could talk about in relation to this. But I do I do wanna like go go back to what you're saying and 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 emphasize and leverage I think you were saying mm-hmm. this in, in within parenting yeah yeah so another couple of, of the gifts one is being able to experience or being motivated to experience beautiful things with our mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and this is kind of an intangible to some extent but for example I have one of my kids is is a an HSP and I love taking him out to beautiful places in nature or taking him out to see the symphony or to see a show and he experiences it in a similar way to I do the, the I do and it's a gift to me but it's also lovely to just experience those things together and have him say oh look at that look at the spider web sparkling with dew it's so it's so pretty this morning and yep. so just being able to experience those things together. Whereas someone who's not scanning the environment, kind of not noticing as much might just walk right by that spider web. 
So we we have these really beautiful moments with our children in the midst of some chaos sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and similarly, we can take a lot of pleasure in connecting with our children physically and emotionally. So like I said earlier, those cuddles, I, my eight-year-old HSP boy still asked me for daily cuddles. And it's this. Yes, mine too. <laughs> I love it. I was just saying, oh, I wonder how much longer. But I've asked him before. I said, do you think like when you're a teenager, you're still going to want to cuddle mommy? He's like, well. I think so. And he just, it's different. I have a non-HSP kid and we just have, so this is a little bit about having an HSP child versus not, but gosh, I love that. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I'm like, no, mommy needs space, but being able to really sink into and be aware of these moments of connection with our kids Mm -hmm. and to, I just take so much pleasure in like looking at my kids' beautiful little faces and them perform in various sports or music and mm-hmm. or just having these sweet little moments with them. So just, I think our sort of mindfulness is, is another, I haven't put it that way before, but that's kind of another HSP superpower as a parent is mm-hmm. we, we can slow down when we give ourselves permission to slow mm-hmm. down and be present. We can experience and, and point out to our children these beautiful moments. And then lastly is teaching our kids emotional attunement. So my husband, not to throw him under the bus here, but he's not an HSP. And he said to me multiple times, like, I'm so glad you know how to talk to our our kids about their feelings. And it's not that he's like some Neanderthal, like he's great at it too. But (laughs) but I just have a little bit more because I've needed to do that work within myself as a highly Mm -hmm. sensitive person. I, I have a bit more language around how to acknowledge and, and name my children's feelings and say, right, right. it's like you're feeling a little overwhelmed or I, it seems like this noise is overstimulating for you. Why don't we step outside and t- have a snack or yeah, um, totally. you know, do you need some alone time? Mm-hmm. I, I'm feeling like I need some alone time too. Mm-hmm. This was a long day. And so really being able to name that for our kids, to teach them how to regulate their own emotions and how to honor them. I mean, right. I, Again, lots of parents can do this, but HSPs are especially good at it. And we should really celebrate <laughs> agreed, that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of resonating with you through the whole thing that you were just saying. It's like because we can see details of things in a way that other people may or may not, but or might just pass by, like you said, the nuance of oh, yes. like being able to notice a shift in your child's like state, their mm. their emotional state, their mental, whatever's going on. Yeah, that is pretty cool mm. to be able to do. I definitely see that as a gift. Yeah, I think that we're not just always jumping to like, oh, they're acting out or like, why are they yes. doing this again? Yes. But we're seeing, oh, they're overtaxed. They're tired. They, whoa, mm-hmm. they, they are, they're maybe hungry or mm-hmm. this room's really loud. And mm-hmm. so instead of just being angry at our child for not participating or for getting irritable, we're mm-hmm. able to kind of intuit what they might be feeling, mm-hmm. name it for them, and then actually address the root of the problem rather right. than responding with frustration to their behavior. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. There's also like a really, I I mean, I guess I'm speaking to like HSP therapists in particular. Mm. It's a really nice intersection of a skill sets. Mm. (laughs) It just, cause right. We're, we're trained in many ways on how already on how to, to do this. And, and I guess we're also in some ways therapists for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> our, our HS 
P qualities may, may have led us to this as well. Not, not for everybody for sure, but mm-hmm. it's, I've just noticed this with a lot of therapists who are also HSPs. It's just it's such a cool yeah. combination of, of skills that is really useful. And if, if you can figure out, and this is true for everybody, if you can figure out how to manage it, then it just makes life so much easier. Right. I think there's moments as a therapist myself where I'm like, oh, it's it's almost it's so resonant, like being mm-hmm. like being with a client and and feeling with them and being able to empower them and, and be responsive is so it's like it sings, like it's it's this yes. beautiful just creative energy that can can feel like just flowing and yep. that is a that's a real gift of being a highly sensitive therapist and then we need to t- learn to take care of ourselves basically basically <laughs> right. the other half right of we right. are practicing what we <laughs> preach yeah boundaries <laughs> managing mm-hmm. your caseload and all that but mm-hmm. yeah oh wow i think we, we do have a lot to offer offer our clients and especially i think those of us who are at the intersection of sort of HSP in the perinatal field, there's not a whole lot of, there's some conversation increasingly, but there's Mm -hmm. not a lot out there about how sensitivity, high sensitivity intersects with parenthood. And it Mm -hmm. is, to me, it's just like, once I started working kind of at the intersection, I, I'm convinced it's just incredibly important where 20 to 30% of people are HSPs. That's 20 to 30% of parents who are yep. resonating with some of the things that we've talked about today. And if if I, if we can collectively kind of get the word out about mm-hmm. how it shows up, it's just I oh, hope yeah. it's very empowering for people. So cool. I, I love everything that you've talked about today. This is all like right up my alley for sure. And I know that you very specifically have some uh, offerings, things that you're uh, providing for people So where can people find more out about your work and or get supported by what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a therapist, a psychotherapist in California. So that's, I I practice at Inner Nature Therapy. That's I-N-N-E-R, Nature Therapy, on the therapy side of things. And then I also have a resource website that has some courses and coaching and a blog and just for highly sensitive parents. And it's simply called Highly Sensitive Parenthood, highlysensitiveparenthood.com. And I'm on Instagram and YouTube under those as well. So right now I, I have a course for highly sensitive parents to learn to tend to themselves better and to, to kind of leverage those strengths and minimize the, the challenges associated with being an HSP parent. And I'm also, probably by the time this gets released, it will this second course will be released about supporting your highly sensitive child. And so if you are a parent who has a child who's highly sensitive and you want to learn more about how to support them, that's there too. So that's all can be found at highlysensitiveparenthood.com. And I'm offering listeners of this podcast 20% off any of the products. Yay! Products <laughs> or services. That's the, I have a toolkit, a couple of these courses that I've talked about and, and coaching. Simply use the code MOM and mind it's all caps and no spaces through the end of 2023 to receive 20% off anything you can find at highlysensitiveparenthood.com cool thank you so much i mean the the skills are necessary and i'm thankful that you're offering listeners that that discount it's really hopeful that people who are listening who need the support can can access that absolutely and, um, 
And there, yeah. there is a free newsletter as well, too. So if you're like, oh, not in the budget right now, mm-hmm. yeah, still head over to the website and there's a blog and a newsletter you can you can sign up for. So love Perfect. to see you there. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time and sharing all of this with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to chat about sensitivity and parenthood. To get connected with Amy, find her on her coaching website, HighlySensitiveParenthood.com and on Instagram and Facebook at HighlySensitiveParenthood. Now, for those of you who go to her website and are interested, she is offering a 20% discount for Mom and Mind listeners through 2023. That's for all year. Just find what you're looking for on her website and type in the coupon code MOMANDMIND, spelled out M-O-M-A-N-D-M-I-N-D. Thank you so much, Amy, for offering that resource to Mom and Mind listeners. And thank you all for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.